Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another segment of Broadcast and Politics with Cisco Costa, Luther Mays, and our guest, Annie Burdell, will be, is back today prepping for survival, a girl's point of view. Go, girls. All right, she'll be on in, a little, in the next five minutes. She'll be on. But let me get started with my little monologue here that I... I basically have come to the conclusion that the socialist Democrats or progressives or Bolshevik or communists, whatever you want to call them, they have gone to the extreme left on abortion, on immigration. Now the latest, I don't know if you heard my audience, but they want to give Social Security to the illegals. That's part of the platform in 2020. So, as crippling as Social Security is that, the number of people who are going to be receiving those Social Security checks the baby boomers. And now on top of that, the Democrats want to have individuals who have never lived here, who have never worked here, who have never who have not made a contribution to get the same benefits that you and I and everyone else that has worked and and lived in this country for a long time, forever. So they're basically the redistribution of wealth now has gone to the extreme because one part of the redistribution was less tax these individuals middle class the rich now they're going beyond that point and as some political analysts on the left have said that if they continue on this path which I'm going to let them I will not stop them. They want to go ahead and push that socialism, you know, that Venezuelan socialism, then go ahead. But I think that would be, that will guarantee a landslide for Trump, President Trump. Because the more I hear about this gearing towards the left to the extreme left the more people that are going to be abandoning that that party and that's a good thing because you definitely cannot understand most people with common sense cannot understand how the party that was once a party that was really for the people. It's not the party for the people. It's only for the party for the people that they can get votes for, from. Because they have noticed a trend of Democrats leaving. As a matter of fact, a great number of Democrats voted for Donald Trump. You know, they switched because they started to see the pattern. The pattern is we want to be more like Venezuela. So I I want them to continue pushing their socialist belief. I mean, I'm glad that they have come to their senses and now, <clears throat> now they're not hiding it at all. They're not. They're just basically out there um, <laughs> with no reservations at all. They just are outgoing and basically saying, if you like us, fine. If you don't, that's also fine. So let's try and see how far socialism takes them. 
Because I'll tell you something. I, do, I don't see how they can succeed with um, this platform that is so extreme that so many Democrats are not even wanting to stay in the party. So, and we're bringing on Annie right now, and she's going to give us really a lot of great information. Hi, Annie. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? All right. Thank you for coming back. I thought I thought the first time around I didn't I didn't uh, I was not tough enough. So I think that's the reason you came back, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. You said you weren't tough enough on me. Uh, yeah. So you know, I think I think you said um, I think you you said oh I could handle him. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Is that right? Okay. Well, wait a minute. Let me get my chapstick here. Go for it. So, Annie, how you been? Uh, can you just basically give us a, a brief description of who you are again uh, for our listeners and um, what? How long ago? When did you start? What have you been up to? What What's your latest book? So, just go ahead. You have the floor. Well, I'd be opening a can of whoop-ass tonight if uh, you don't think you were tough enough on me. So <laughs> the challenge has been laid down. I accept. So um, my name is Annie Burdell. I started the website Prepper Chicks. Um, we are all over Facebook and I um, back in 2011. And it has been such a pleasure uh, getting to know people and opening the eyes up to not only preparedness but why we actually prepare, and one of those hopefully we'll be discussing tonight on your show. Um, I just recently, and I'm blaming this totally on you, because about a month ago I was on your show. I, I'd had a radio show uh, a few years back, and uh, life happened and took a hiatus. And because of the shit you gave me the last time, I decided to uh, <laughs> jump on uh, opening up a new radio show. So uh, you were my very first guest. Um, so, uh, it's been a lot of fun and this whole week has just been crazy. I've done, this will be my fourth radio show this week, You're very including popular. having you on mine on Tuesday. <laughs> well, you're, nice, you're in the match. It's nice to have you're, such a warm comeback to this. So yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that, but you know, it's, 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 it's great to be very, you know, to be in demand like you are. So uh, I have to. Um, well, when you're good, you're good. I, I I hear that. <laughs> so, um, in in your in your estimation, uh, in regards to um, the current situation of prepping, uh, do you see that, um, especially with the times that we're living right now? What would be your number one, number two recommendations for? our listeners, if they were to start learning how to prep, what would be those two steps that you would say, this is, this is prepping 101? Well, um, I'm not going to get into um, a lot of the uh, supplies because I don't think they're as important. I have a different mindset when it comes to that than probably a lot of people do. And there are so many variables when it comes to that. I mean, we would, we would be talking for days if it, if it came down. But the first two, definitely mindset is number one. Uh, you have to decide if you're going to live or not and that you want to get through whatever catastrophe that you're in because if you have any doubt in that, you're probably not going to. So making up your mind and sticking with it is rule number one. Number two is skill set. Um, they're cheap. Uh, you can usually find lots of information for free. I, every single day, am putting out free information on my site. And, I mean, they weigh nothing. You can take them more with you wherever you go. Once you learn what to look for in finding water, purifying it, uh, forging for food, building shelter, um, that, building a fire, you know, those, those are skills that, uh, that are priceless in my estimation versus 
sitting on Amazon on your couch and buying every hot item that all these prepper websites are out there pushing right now. So definitely mindset's number one. Skill set is number two. Right. Do you have you seen an uh, an increase in women preppers, or 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 has it just been uh, men have dominated the prepping um, industry or the prepping? Um, you know, is prepping more in tune with women or men? Well, or that's kind of why I started Prepper Chicks is because it was mostly, and and don't don't get me wrong, the term prepper, uh, I'll use it loosely, has just become a, you know, newfangled word here in the last 10 years or so. It always hasn't been that way. Um, if you actually looked at lifestyles or grandparents growing up, uh, a lot of them were preppers and didn't even know it. So being a prepper nowadays doesn't hold the same weight as it used to. Um, my site was started because uh, there were a lot of guys out there putting information, but I know a lot of women that do the same thing. We just work in different segments of it. Women are the nurturers. They take care of the homes. They're doing the canning, the gardening. Uh, those kind of things. They were the ones that kept the families together when the guys went off to war in, you know, World War One and World War Two, by themselves, uh, without, you know, all of the luxuries that we in 2019 have. So they were doing it a long time ago. I thought we needed a voice. That's how Prepper Chicks got started. And would you would you say that your website? Uh, even though it's prepping for uh, for girls' survival, do men basically uh, are they participating stalkers? also? Is there, are they? You know, I, is, I is, refer is, to is, them as our stalkers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, we're we're reason. like a sixty forty split, and okay. and the sixty being the sixty percent being the guys. We have. We share a lot of information that covers a lot of genres, so it's not just prepping or canning or the stuff. I'm big into tactical stuff, so I have a, a completely separate tactical section um, that talks about uh, firearms and things like that, blowing shit up. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, but we also get you know single dads that are raising daughters because we talk about things that other sites don't, such as, you know, female issues specifically tailored towards us. And uh, they're like, I had no idea. I was talking to a a single dad because I'm reworking my website, and I'm like, what do you guys need on here? Because it's for them. It's not for me. I've never – I've always paid for this myself. I don't accept advertising because I don't want somebody to put their thumb on me and say, you can't do that. But so I ask my, my, I guess, fans, I guess, whatever they're called, <clears throat> you know, what do you guys need? And, you know, I had a single dad I had a long conversation with. He goes, you know, I appreciate everything that you put out here because I'm trying to raise my daughter. And right. we, we talk about those things that dads don't normally think about because he's like, you know, put up stuff like, you know, the first time I tried to brush my daughter's hair, I did it from the top down and it about ripped all of her hair out versus <laughs> women know normally you start at the bottom and you work your way up. So it's just, it's things that we take for granted as females that I put up there. And that might be why we have a lot of single dads and whatnot that are on our page, but Hey, whatever works at this point, we all need to come together. Hmm. How how significant was the, uh, all these reality shows in regards to prepping that have been on, 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 on cable do you think it was productive, positive, neutral, or, or negative to, uh, towards what preppers actually are doing? So you want me to use the D word? You can go ahead and use whatever word. Uh, we're not regulated by the FCC here. Mm. So... Um, Prepper Chicks was before um, that illustrious TV show, Doomsday Prepper, and uh, that came on. And, uh, you know, it did a lot of good because it brought the prepper, the mentality out into the forefront, even though it's made for TV. A lot of the people's 
a lot of the people that are on that show are friends of mine. Actually, on my radio show next week is Survivor Jane, who was on the last uh, few series or years of the show uh, with her husband, Rick. And, you know, these people are just like us. You know, some of them, though, will admit that they were paid to perform certain things on the show. You know, it's okay. a TV show, and they have right. to get ratings, so they glamorize it as much as, as they felt they needed to. But in that respect, it did wake up a lot of people to, hey, you know, maybe I should think about this. And it did put some information out there on how people can do things. <clears throat> you know, you had to pick apart, you know, what was meat and what was, you know, bad stuff. But uh, so they, they are what they are. There's still a lot of good shows out there that you can watch um, relating to this. I mean, you just have to use your common sense and, you know, figure out what works and what doesn't and what is put in there specifically just to get ratings. Right, it is right. reality and, TV to some degree. Right. But what, what's the, what's, what, what's the perception with uh, some of your preppers? Are they for on those, on those reality shows, you know, because the exposure, like you said, the exposure is, it's great because there's so many people yeah, out there that are, it is. are waking and up. And most of them regret going on it. Why? A lot of them, well, because um, they did not have creative control once the camera started rolling. So they, some of them were misconstrued as being a little off the wall. Um, I was courted for the show, absolutely turned it down. I ain't doing that. Well, you know, rule number one in, in prep or whatever is OPSEC. You know, you just don't do that. <clears throat> they were giving away so much information, we could pinpoint where these people lived, and that's not what, that's not what we do, you know. So um, I know for the first few seasons on my page, we would sit there and we would discuss the shows, some of it not too politely, but, you know, <laughs> um, so, I mean, it is what it is uh, for each their own. Not my cup of tea, though. Got it. Got it. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to the, the level of preparedness on a state level or a local level, let's say, for example, in, in, in states in the Midwest, which is going through, we're going through a lot of hard times because of the rain and, 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 and the flooding how well prepared are some of these states that are constantly either they get a lot of flooding or tornadoes in your estimation? You know, at the, and at the state level, at the state level and on a local level, but um, let me, let me finish my, the last part of my question. So the part that is how well prepared are these states and do, in your opinion, do you find that a lot of the preppers who live in, in, in these areas are basically doing their own thing because you're part of that prepper uh, community, or are they just basically saying, you know, we'll, we'll work also with whatever the state has, or are they just going on their own and saying, we won't depend on them? Um, I think it's twofold, actually. I think it's a little of both. Uh, uh-huh. Our federal government, I'll start there, sucks at preparedness. Our FEMA department is a, is a joke, in my opinion. Um, you look at your state, um, I would agree the same way. We just have to declare a natural disaster and we bring in, you know, the, the, the uh, troops. That's their idea of, you know, it's so... <laughs> it's going to get me in trouble, isn't it? Go, um, go, go okay, ahead, go ahead, so... Go ahead. Um, I have a lot of I have a lot of friends and family that are in the law enforcement business, and they will flat out tell you their job is to clean up the mess after after something happens. That's the same mentality we've seen with our federal government and with our state government. Uh, cities um, are a little bit different because it is local people more so that run these. Actually, in a coming show that I have, I'm going to have someone that works with. Um, uh, CERT, which is the Civil Emergency Response Team, and how to get that started in your group. Personally, I think we need to have more of that in each city. 
Um, so we're going to discuss how you can get that running, what it is, you know, how you can get involved. Preppers don't shy away from that kind of stuff because it's OPSEC and we don't want to tell people what we're doing and, and all of that. So, you know, but the, but the problem is we have to stick together to get through something. If we're looking at the Midwest right now, they're totally underwater. I mean, they're just inundated. And the only way they're getting through that right now, if you read the news, is because they are sticking together and because they are helping each other. If we're smart, we should already be working on those kind of things right now in our own communities so that when something does happen, we have a plan. And we need a plan A, we need a plan B, and we need a plan C. And that's where I think a lot, there's a weakness within the proper movement in that specific area. So that's something that's hot on my list to address over the coming year and uh, get information out and kind of try and help people relax a little bit that, you know, everybody's not a freaking marauder prepper um, who was on one of the shows one time talking about how his prep was he was just going to go steal stuff from other preppers and things like that. Now, you get somebody that... Um, constantly runs their mouth about prepping somebody like 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 I do, you know, it might put a target on our head, but I think the benefit of it outweighs, you know, the risk of what I'm doing. Right. Because I I, I was just look I was thinking this uh past weekend in regards to if an EMP, electric magnetic impulse, were to hit a major city, how quickly would the prepper community be ready? Uh, because that would be devastating. I mean, it would it, it would kill the grid right away. Um, it, it would just have huge impact, many, many millions and millions of people who would die, and, and chaos all over. I mean... Well, I think you can look at that to some degree Mm -hmm. with what just went on in Venezuela with the, what, 100 days they were without electricity that they just recently had. So you can take the scenario that they actually just lived through, which is real life, and flip that over to an EMP hitting a community. And we do have localized EMPs. I mean, they're not just... Um, something that's going to be like a, in the 1800s, we have the Carrington event, which just pretty much wiped everything out. We do have the technology to do localized EMPs. Um, but in Venezuela, 100 days without power, and we see what happens in a community. There weren't necessarily millions of people that died. I think uh, last count I saw was upwards of 300. And most of those that passed away were either directly involved in some kind of conflict or they were medically inclined. Mm, okay. So we should be learning from Venezuela, but how did oh, how, 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 how have they survived? Because the, well, the, I think the, the, a lot of them pulled the, together to help each other out, and it hasn't right, been pretty down there. Don't get me wrong. I saw stories of. You know, they're they're drinking sewer water and things yes. like that. I was just about to say that. And so also, I mean, also the 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 crime, the crime aspect, you know, robbing and and breaking in and 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 you know stealing, that's been going on, you know, during all these one hundred days. I mean, and Venezuela is a smaller country than the United States. So the impact here would be even greater. So we would have to be double and triply prepared for something like that, right? Would you? Would you agree? Well, yeah, to a certain degree, but you have to pick apart um, a lot of the crime that was going on, and we saw that here in Ferguson. Let's take that for an example. They intentionally break into stores just because it's, a, it's the prime time to do it. We saw no power, but we're stealing television sets. What sense does that make? Now, the people that were desperate and were breaking into stores to steal food, that's one thing. So you kind of, the numbers are a little screwed up there. Now, if we have something like that, we're going to see the same thing, 
especially if you live in a um, in a large city. It's just inevitable. It's just human nature at this point. We're going to get the segment, like I said, that's going to take advantage of the situation and wait around for things to settle down, but they'll have, you know, 15 television sets in their house, whatever good that's going to do them. But, right. uh, um, yeah, I mean, it's if you live in a large city, this is something, this is a, a segment of your preparedness that you need to be ready for. Got it, got it. And in regards to the food, I know we covered that in the first uh, interview, but the number of supermarkets that would be able to store food, would, would it be for a couple of days? Would they have it for a couple of weeks, a week? You know, in your estimation, most supermarkets, most stores have what's the length of time uh, or left, uh, you know, number of um, days that they can have for food in case of a, of a natural disaster? Well, it's, there's many variables to that. If we lose power, they will lose power too, which means that their food supply is going to be cut in half because any meat, produce, or frozen foods or whatever aren't going to be there. They also will have no way to bring your ATM card through to pay for this stuff. So they're going to have to go to some other kind of system in order to do that. Now, will that slow down the process of of them weeding food out of their stores? Absolutely, to some degree but it also cuts their supply line in half. Also, they're not going to be restocked. There will be no trucks coming in to bring them, you know, typically a grocery store now gets a supply truck every single day to some degree. You know, they don't get one truck a week or one truck a month or whatever. Um, Depending on how they break it down, they have delivery trucks that are showing up every single day. That, That takes away too. But then... You know, it depends on how fortified they are. You know, they could lose their product overnight if somebody decides they wanted it bad enough. Right. You see a typical snowstorm here in Indianapolis. Within 20 minutes, there are certain supplies within a store that are already gone. 20 minutes. That's it. So you can bank on you're not going to have milk, you're not going to have eggs, you're not going to have bread, and you're not going to have toilet paper. That's going to be gone. Um, usually the first things that non-preppers go after are the chips and the beer and the TV dinners and things like that. So, I mean, like I said, there's, there's a lot of variables on how long a grocery store, you know, how, how, where is it situated? What kind of a uh, population is, is surrounding it? You know, a lot of, a lot of variables there. But I'll just say, if we had an EMP, um, that grocery store would not be in business within five days. Probably three. So basically cities, suburbs, or rural areas, which of the three would be suffer the, the hardest consequences? Of an EMP? No, 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 in regards to a food shortage. Oh, definitely the city where the government has been hurting people for years and they're densely populated, and you growing up in New York City understand what a C-store is. I mean, yeah. it's just basically a small room with a bunch of food crammed into it and no right. way to resupply these. I mean, and you have these on every corner, yes, but you also have high-rises that are 13 to 30 stories high just crammed with people. You're screwed. Right. So, uh, and how about how about living in the suburbs? How how would they fare? Uh, they have a much better chance, I think. Um, but the problem that we're seeing that they saw in Venezuela is the government, the opposing government, was sending out these uh, motorcycle gangs to round up supplies. So, I mean, you have in a suburb the tactical advantage of having neighbors if they are on the same page as you versus being say out on a farm where you're more isolated so it's right. going to it you know 
but you're still kind of in the same situation. You might have a larger uh, Walmart around or something like that to your advantage, but you're still dealing with a lot of people. Now, can you fortify? I lived in the suburbs uh, when I moved to Indianapolis for a little over 10 years. You know, I had, and this this is where the government hurts us, and they double speak because FEMA's telling us that we need to be better prepared, but the government puts all these regulations on us that we can't have chickens in the city, you know, blah, 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 we can't catch rainwater, things like that. Um, so, I mean, you're going to have to pick and choose what rules, that, you know, if, if you're going to break some rules there, you know, quite honestly. But right. you can still grow food and animal raise animals in a suburb setting depending on a lot of things, depending on where you live. Fantastic. I mean, I think uh, that's great, great information uh, in regards to the different different uh demographic areas that in regards to surviving uh um an emp or any natural disaster now um let's get into your your books because you're an author you've been um you've been writing for writing books for a long time how long um well my first book came out in 2014 so five years to be a published author. Before that, I just, you know, dallied around with it. What got you into uh, writing? And, and by the way, congratulations on your um, joining the, the special club called the Book Hub, right? Yeah, yeah, um, that was nice. Um, I started to write non or post-apocalyptic books because... When I started Prepper Chicks, I started a radio show, and so I started bringing in people that um, talked about preparedness and downgrade situations. And, right. of course, these authors that are out there, um, One Second After, Patriots, you know, some of these great books that are, um, are tailored towards a downgrade situation, I started interviewing the authors for that. They were all guys. And if you read their books, um, the female parts of them um, weren't, in my opinion, again, representing the female population that I know. I know a lot of women that are very strong, capable human beings, and a lot of their books did not portray that, and it pissed me off, and I'm like, screw this, and decided to write my own books. Girl power, girl power, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. So you enjoy... The, that whole aspect of writing books, I mean, because uh, it, it, it does take uh, a lot of patience to and and, and, and calculating and, and and analyzing writing about something that you're you're very passionate because I can I can tell how passionate you are about prepping. Um, it's some. Some days it can be more trying than others, but uh, I get a lot of distractions occasionally that that warrant me having to, uh, you know, okay. set up some boundaries there. But, uh, uh, you know, writing comes easy to me. I've done it all my life, and, uh, you know, and even in high school I was um, – actually my English teacher is a good Facebook friend of mine, and she reads all my books, so no pressure whatsoever, right? And uh, – <clears throat> Uh, I, I like it. It takes me, you know, I just put my headphones on, crank up some ACDC, and, and let it go. Now, I'm a little different than a lot of writers that I know. They calculate things out. They have blueprints. They're, they've okay. got, you know, charts and stuff. I, I don't do that. I'm like, just sit me in a chair, crank me some ACDC, and just let it go. And, that's, and you know, I might not write every single day, but when I get in the groove, um, I'm gone for quite a while. There you go. There you go. ACDC. We're promoting them. I love them. Oh, my God. Hey, rock and roll. Um, do you do you find that um, would you be an advocate? Would you advocate uh, uh, teaching, having a course in prepping for kids? And le- letting them. Oh, absolutely. 
Yeah. And why? Well, I think that uh, recently, I think it was two weeks ago, a mm-hmm. five-year-old and an eight-year-old little girl got lost in the forest out in California, uh, and all rights should have passed away. They were in there for, I think, up to four days. And because of the survival skills that their parents taught them, they walked out of the forest alive. If wow. that doesn't speak for what we do, I don't know what else does. And, you know, there are ways to do it. There are ways you don't want to do it. But there's so many tools out there and games and abilities and whatnot. Um, you have to base it upon how um, mature your child is because you don't want to, you know, desensitize them to the point that you scar them for life. But, uh, you know, so, but there are fun games. You know, I geocached with my kids, which is a longitude latitude game that you can play to teach them how to read maps and look for things, which is important. Um, but, you know, teaching them how to can, uh, teaching them how to cook in the kitchen with you, uh, teaching them alternative ways to do that, teaching them how to start a fire without using matches, those are all cool skills. Taking them camping is probably the easiest thing that you can do. Right. And it's, it's fun family time, too. How, how come, in your opinion, how come there's no such curriculum in schools? There are in some schools. It depends on, I guess, where you live. Well, out I here would, in the I Midwest, would, I, would, I would say on, a, on a, across on a, like a national program that should be taught, not just in the in the in the Midwest or in the suburbs or in the rural areas, but I think a, a course that every school should be applying. Because again, we have to develop a new generation of kids that are going to be prepared. You know. For, but isn't that know. why they don't have that in the schools? They don't want our children thinking for themselves. They want them to sit in their seats, raise their hand when they're, when they're told to, um, go only go to the bathroom when they're permitted to, be nice little soldiers. They don't want our children thinking for themselves at all. They Got wouldn't it. be compliant and follow the rules. I I can see that point. I can see your point on that. But I I think um, there has to be more, you know, schools that that are basically are not going to put up with that. You know, they're going to basically be critical thinkers and and think for their own on their own. I think we need to to expose our children to, like you said, to these things that that to get them ready, because. In their in their in their future, they may uh, an EMP may happen. You know, I, I, well, I don't our, our schools don't teach a kid how to balance a checkbook or change tires or anything like that either. That's as a parent, that's our responsibility. Um, and like I said, you know, I have my opinions about the public school system that are not very um, mainstream. Say, if you have a chance to homeschool your child, do so. Uh, because because of that very reason, you know. Um, now, that doesn't mean that there aren't segments out there that are doing that. Economics is taught in some schools. Um, home ec is taught in some schools. We're seeing an uptick right now, especially in Indiana, but they're bringing back firearm classes to teach kids how to use firearms. Sure. I've always, sure. my, my youngest had a gun, his first birthday, he got a, he got a, he was, he received a gun for his first birthday. My kids were raised around firearms. They don't have the fear and that natural um, inquisitive mind that they have towards things, and that's where we see uh, where the bad things happen. When, when you tell a child no, what happens? He's all over that. He wants to know why you're telling him no, and it makes him want to find out what's going on even more. You take that away and you teach your child, first of all, the, um, the rules on firearms, how to use it properly and all that, you don't have to, you know, they, they get it then, and they won't mess with it and, and harm themselves or someone else when they understand it. Right, and that's where right. we fail as parents. I totally agree. Now, let's get into some of the things that can help directly uh, 
in regards to how do you charge your phone with no electricity? How do I charge my phone with no electricity? Mm-hmm. Well, if we have no electricity, will we have a need for a phone? Because, you know, our phone companies and all of those run off of electricity also. So if right. they don't have it, our phones aren't going to work. Right. How about the phones now, that are connect- phones I, that are connected through satellite? Satellite, they should work, right? No, no. I have a satellite phone. That's what I'm talking on right now. If the satellite goes down or we have a storm or something, um, yeah, it doesn't work. Okay. So what's the what, what would be the alternative in regards to your um, what what would be the options if if there's any options available for communication? Um, as a prepper, uh, that we have an issue going on, your cell phones, one thing people need to understand when cell phones, when we have limited power going on, um, do not try and make a phone call. Uh, it uses too much juice and will drain your battery. Send a text message. Um, they have a lower frequency, so they'll get through the chaos easier than a phone call, and right. they don't take as much battery power. Um, but you need to look at alternative forms of communication, um, not just a telephone such as ham radios. Uh, ham radios, uh, CBs, anything like that uh, have been around forever. And they're decently priced depending on what, how, how much money you want to spend. But you can hook up a battery pack to it. Uh, you can base it off solar if you would like and that will be able to allow you to communicate depending on what kind of system you set up. Um, I've talked to people in Scotland before, uh, depending on how many repeaters that you can bounce off of. So my grandfather instilled that in me because I used to sit and listen to him talk to people all across the world back when I was, you know, 40 years ago. So technology has greatly improved since then. So you need to look at alternative means of communication if that's your hot ticket is the power grid going down. Right. And then for, and then for the majority of people, it is, especially the ones who live in, in, the, in the major urban cities. That, 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 that to was, some degree. I think, I think right now, not just an EMP, but I think uh, which we talked about Tuesday night is the potential for a civil war. Uh, or some kind of economic uh, downfall in this country um, is probably also more on their on their thought process than anything. Right, right. We did we did touch on uh, on the civil uh, the disturbance of that would be caused by an economic meltdown or another unrelated uh, natural disaster. Now. In regards to phone apps, uh, like Celo, do they actually work? When it comes they to- do if the power's on. Um, okay. I have a group of girls. Uh, shout out to them, um, my proper chicks out there, um, who are, you know, we have girls in Australia, we have them across the country here, um, and we actually just uh, were looking at alternative means of communication between each other because we're family. We've known each other for, you know, some of us they've, I've known since I started Proper Chicks, so over eight years now. And, you know, how would we communicate to each other? Because, you know, a single person has a limited amount of education, and when you take a handful of girls, let's say 100 of us, how much information is out there? If one doesn't know, I guarantee you that there's somebody in this group that, that knows whatever whatever you're looking at. So we were discussing, you know, off-grid communications, but we were also discussing on-grid communications. Last Was it this week or last week? Facebook went down. People were freaking out, and it's like, <laughs> This is this is sad, but it is. So I have a I have a group on. We use MeWe, which is another. Yeah. It's an alternative yeah. to Facebook. Um, mm-hmm. We have uh, we have. Um, I'm looking on my phone. We use a, a site called Zello Z E L L O. That uh, and we have these all set up already, so we can uh, get in touch with with each other if if right. there is an issue. 
it's just, it's our backup to our backup to our backup, you know, and then you can get into snail mail and Twitter or whatever. But, you know, the big sites are going to go down first, such as Facebook. There's a lot of politics being played right now, not only in this country, but around the world. So mm-hmm. well, if you uh, don't have a family plan right now, that's probably something, especially if you're all spread out around the country. My son lives in another state. Uh, we've t- talked in depth about what to happen if, or what to do if such and such happens, what to do if this other thing happens. So I know what he's thinking. He, he knows what I'm thinking. I know what his plans are and what steps he's going to take so I could help him on this side if I have to without communication going on. That's something right. that a lot of families haven't worked out amongst themselves, and that's, that's going to be critical. So you, you, you should, every family out there should have a well-planned-out escape route or where they're going to be. Absolutely. Are they going to, okay. Would, well, would I mean, the, it's the same as your house catches on fire, right? You were taught when your house catches on fire that everybody gets out on their own, right. basically, and you meet in a place outside in your yard instead of one person going around trying to help everybody. It isn't gonna. It isn't gonna work. So your first thing to train your kids is get out of the house, meet us at you know the tree, you know out in the front yard or whatever. It's the same thing if a grid down happens. You're not going to be able to as one person get in touch with. You know I've got a daughter that lives in Indianapolis. I have a son that lives in Virginia. You know I've got other close family members that I'm going to want to make sure that they're safe. I can't do that, and I can't do it in five minutes. So you have to have a plan ahead of time to make sure everybody, you know what everybody's going to do. You know, if you're home, um, there was a, a huge fire in Houston right now uh, at a refinery, and right. they did an evac. They told people to leave. So if I say, okay, Cisco, you have 30 minutes right now. You're at work, and you have 30 minutes to evacuate the city. That means you have to go find your family wherever they're at, school, home, another job, whatever, right. and right. and then determine what you're going to get out of your house. Right. You got 30 minutes. This is where we fail because now, we haven't. We don't have a plan. That that is that that's very. I, I like I like what you just said, but one of the things that I that I find I, it would be if someone lives in New York. Another person lives in, 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 in California. If there's a major natural disaster or, or an EMP, forget about getting on a plane. That's going to be ground. All the, all, oh, yeah. All air is there. You know, getting on the road, there's going to be military blocks. I mean, they're going to be. Uh, so how are you going to be able to get together, you know, for individuals and families that live in, in so many different parts of, of the country. That, that's a, a well, huge Well, I think challenge. the first thing that, yeah, well, it is and it isn't. I think the first thing you have to realize is you might not see them for a while, and you have to be comfortable with that. My son, like I said, lives in Virginia. If something happened in, in, uh, for whatever reason, you know, I already know. I, it might be a year before I see him or even talk to him. But I know what I've taught him, and I know that he's capable. I also have a network set up around him that are quite capable people with the same mindset that I have. Uh, One of those you're going to meet later on this year on my show, um, who used to be on the radio show with me before. Um, So we have this stuff already established. So if something happens, yes, I'm going to miss him to, like, no tomorrow. But I also have the assurance that, A, he knows what he's doing, and, B, he's got a network to work with until we can get things reestablished. Now, you can also, and one thing that people don't realize, if for some reason the satellites go down, you need to have things like uh, good old-fashioned paper maps in your vehicle. You know, if he drives from Virginia home, he can't, you know, he might, his GPS might not work. So what's your backup there? People don't know how to read maps anymore. These kids growing up, that's one thing we don't teach in schools, and it's, and it's detrimental 
to our survival is to be able to pick up some kind of uh, topographical map and be able to read it and have a plan. You know, my son has maps that I've highlighted, you know, routes home, A, B, and C. This is the way you're going to go. So I know which way he would be coming. I, I have a I, I have I have a question from one of our listeners. How about teaching a character about moral standards and what's right? Teaching I I'm not sure I understand. How about teaching, teaching a character, character about moral standards and what's right in regards to you know working together? I think what what listeners is uh, mentioning is if if you're working together. And, and you have those moral standards, each individual, you know, teaching kids what's, what's correct, what's right, and, and build and developing those characters for, for children. I think that's what... Uh, in, a, in a downgrade situation or just in child rearing? Because no, 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 those no, are just, two just, very different things. I, no, I think it's basically based on what we just discussed in regards to uh, teaching kids... Uh, uh, in regards to how to prepare themselves, you know, having a curriculum. Um, I think that's that's what um, a listener is, 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 is implying. I believe that that's what she's implying. Well, then let me show you this curveball, because uh-huh. this is something a lot of people don't think about. Um, I have very polite children. That's how they were raised. Uh, they say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Um, they do no harm to anyone else. How fast would that get them killed in a downgrade situation? Probably very fast because people would be apt to take advantage of them. Not everyone on this planet is like that. There are people out there, believe it or not, that take advantage of people like that. So conversations that I've had with my kids, you mindset was my number one uh, prep, and there's a reason for that. Uh, The bad guys already live in, in that reality they're already living in how to screw someone over, how to kill someone, how to take advantage. My kids don't live that reality every day. If we had a downgrade situation and something that's going on, say, like in Venezuela or even in Chicago right now, right. my children being taught the way they have been stand a very good chance of being harmed in some way. So they were taught to have a on and off switch and taught street smart skills so that way if they had to to do that then they will you know our goal number one is to survive right and my family comes first and i will do whatever i have to to make sure that that happens so yes we can raise our families to be morally correct and have manners and help each other and stuff like that. But you have to realize that when everybody is fighting for survival, um, there's a rule within any survival. You can live three minutes without air. You can live uh, three days without water, three weeks without food, um, and it goes from there. They don't understand, though. You spend three weeks without food, and your body changes. It affects your mind, and you don't think... Uh, with the same rationale you would if you were eating, same way with water and, and right. not drinking, having, you know, that nourishment in your body. It's, it screws with your mind, and you act differently than you would. So even um, somebody that you know might start acting differently. Your kids need to be taught survival skills to be able to protect themselves and identify those issues ahead of time. We've seen in, in certain situations, you know, um, people pretending like they were the police and they do that because we're taught to trust the police so it's an easy way in for them and as soon as they get in then they will take advantage of you uh in any downgrade situation the percentage of rapes increases dramatically right i mean it just flies off the chart so it's great that you can teach your kids but that's not the society that we live in. And it definitely will be not be the society if there's a downgrade situation. I absolutely correct. Uh, I agree with you. I mean, you have to really have that on and off switch. Be nice. Everyone's nice. Once, you know, once the shit hits the fan, you got to be a bastard and protect, protect you and your family. That's it. You know? Well, um, I don't know if you have to go complete bastard, but 
Yeah, I think you should have that to your advantage to some degree. Yeah. Um, before we go on, your website, all all the books that you have um, written and the books that you are working on, go ahead. Um, a website, PrepperChicks.World, because we are global, um, and we do share a lot of information and groups, uh, survival groups that encompass the entire globe. Um, you can also find me on AnnieBurdell.com. Books, um, I have the Alpha Farm series out. Um, books three and four will be out by uh, somewhere around in August this year, unless I get distracted too much. Um, but what, 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 um, I also have a new series coming out. Your, your, your book, uh, can you expand on the Alpha Farm? Or what, is, what is the book about? Um, it's loosely based off of a group of women that are spread out across the country that we have a downgrade situation. It's kind of like an underground railroad. Um, with these alpha farms that are run by, well, uh, let's just say the story is, is um, brought to the forefront, the women that run these farms. Um, and then we're going to use those to our advantage to try and win back our country. Um, but I also have Old School coming out here in May, which is about a group of older folks in an assisted living center. We have a downgrade situation. They go rescue their grandkids, and we have adventures and a lot of skill sets. Um, I was asked to write books, <coughs> excuse me, a few years ago, and they wanted technical manuals, and not that I don't appreciate those. I just don't think that people utilize them to, to their fullest advantage, and the easiest way to, to get people to remember these things is to put them in story form, which is why I do this. So in, within my books, there's a lot of skill teaching that goes on, so you know, people remember, what would Emma do in this situation? Or what did, what did Emma do in this situation? So that's why. That's why I write these books. And you do have uh, another book, the survival book, The Boundaries. What, what was the name of it? The, uh, the Boundaries? I think it was what? The, uh, never mind, never mind. Uh, We'll, we'll 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 touch that on next month. Um, in the last couple of minutes that we have, New Zealand after the attack on the mosque today is banning all assault weapons. We're going to touch a little on the politics. I know that that's not your port, strong forte, but uh, what what is your take on this decision by New Zealand? Can it have ripple effect here in the United States? Well, um, we were talking on Tuesday about us. I wish we had more time. We were talking about a civil war um, within this country, but um, I would challenge everyone to look at it more globally and see how everything is linked together. When the New Zealand thing came up, um, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't watched a lot of the videos um, pertaining to the shooting itself to glean any information right. from it. I know that, that Facebook pretty much wiped it out. But anytime, I'm going to, six things here I want you to think about when it comes to New Zealand. It, uh, it had a huge, explosive, spectacular event that happened for such a small country. Um, there was immediate media saturation that happened um, at this, when, it, when it went off, and all the news agencies were in sync with what was going down. Um, shortly after it happened, we found out who the, the bad guy was, and there wasn't really an investigation. It was like an instant trial and with no jury, no judge, no nothing. This was the bad guy. That was it. We, don't, we went from four shooters to one shooter. There wasn't a whole lot else. It was case closed, and we walked away from it. But um, within the firearms, we're constantly under fire. <laughs> ha, yeah. that. Um, with Annie, people reaping the benefit of this. We, we know 20, that there's a global ban Annie, on we firearms. 20, we're seeing that. What, it was a false flag. Four, 40 seconds. I'm uh, shutting up now. I'm sorry. 40 seconds to go. Uh, fantastic. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that next month. But, but I just wanted to get a little bit of your opinion on the New Zealand banning of all assault weapons. Well, thank you again for taking time from a hectic week 
of being on the radio. And uh, we'll see each other next month on Broadcasting Politics. Thank you, Annie. My pleasure. Thank you. Uh, All right. Have a good one. Me too. Next week, we'll have another interesting guest. Stay tuned, and we'll have it for you. God bless America, and we'll see you next month. I mean, next week. Excuse me. Oh, wow. Great.